Welcome to Dream Big with Big Dreamers, conversations for career growth, inspiration, and insight, hosted by Donna Sardula and yours truly, Scott Jones. Here are the inspiring stories that shape the careers of top executives, entrepreneurs, and professionals. These empowering discussions offer guidance and advice as you advance in your career. It's time to dream big. Our guest is Scott Mesh. He is the passionate CEO and co-founder of Los Ninos Services and Young Child Expo and Conference. He loves helping children and adults learn and grow, creating a positive work culture and inspiring others to become their best selves. We had a great conversation. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Dream Big with Big Dreamers, conversations for career growth, inspiration, and insight. Here are the inspiring stories that shape the careers of top executives, entrepreneurs, and professionals. These empowering discussions offer guidance and advice as you advance in your career. It's time to dream big. Hey there, Scott. How are you doing? Uh, excellent. I'm doing How are you fantastic. doing, Donna? I'm doing great. We've got two Scots here, so we've got a little bit of a problem. So I'm going to call you Scott Nash, and I'm going to call you Scott Jones. <laughs> Will that make it a little easier? Nice. Yeah, great. So, Scott Jones, what do you think? Like, what what would, what goes on in your head if I said to you, Mother Teresa crossed with Jeff Bezos? Like, what comes into your mind? I think Jeff Bezos would actually make Mother Teresa more likable because <laughs> she had a, she had a real kind of reputation for being a pretty difficult person who was a wonderful person in, in sense of like really serving the poor in Calcutta, but she could be incredibly difficult. Um, and it's interesting too, because she really struggled with religious faith. She had deep skepticism and she was this really You have just totally person. blown my mind. I or, thought mother I, Teresa was this like lovely woman who just helped people, uh, poor people in, in Calcutta. I, I had no idea about these things. She, I mean, she, she was, that but she was also a really complicated person i mean like i think pope francis is somebody you'd want to hang out with right and socialize with i don't think i'd want to socialize with mother Teresa. Uh, although although i had a friend who worked with her for a summer and he asked to stay if he could stay with her and she said leave go find your own calcutta and he now he works in kensington so he um, found his own calcutta. His intentional community. yeah yeah exactly he found his own calcutta. i'll argue i mean in Kensington, by the way, if you don't know Philadelphia, Kensington is lovely this time of year. I mean, if you can rent a Cape Cod, it's <laughs> gorgeous. Yeah, but it's interesting because Jeff Bezos is the guy that like is is the face of kind of global capitalism and seems probably like the colder of of the two. But actually, he seems like a warmer person. Like he does all these wonderful things. Like there's this. Is, you is know, it one him that or I love is it his ex-wife? Because I'm hearing that his ex-wife is the one that's like giving away her her fortune. Oh, that's true. And maybe it's, I just think of things like that they do at Amazon. Like they have these meetings where, um, where there's no screens open. And if you want to propose an idea, you write a narrative of like two or three pages and people read the, sit and read the narrative and then talk and people don't have screens up. And they, there's just so much about like, about executive Amazon culture. Now, again, you could talk about, do they get paid enough? All this stuff to do, do the workers and warehouses and all that kind of stuff. And I don't, that's above my pay grade. I don't know a ton about that. <laughs> But I, but I do, I do think like if you had given me the option of who I wanted to hang out with, 
I, I think I would have rather hung out with Bezos than that's crazy. Well, but Pope Benedict would be the one I would take over both of them because he seems really fun and it seems like you could have a glass of wine with him and do some Latin. <laughs> and, you know, he would. Be I would agree. Well, I will tell tell you that our guest today is Scott Mesh, and he has been described as Mother Teresa crossed with Jeff Bezos. How crazy is that? Um, I'm going to give you his his bio. Are you ready? I'm going to read it right now. I am ready. All right, here we go. Doctor. Ooh, he's he's not just Scott. He's Doctor Scott. There we go. Wait, you're you're also Doctor Scott Jones, right? Are you a doctor too? I did I did PhD work at Princeton Theological Seminary. That's not as sophisticated though. So I'm thinking, how can I get how can I differentiate you guys? Uh, all right. Anyway, Doctor Scott Mesh is a bilingual psychologist and the co-founder of Los Niños Services. This award-winning agency has served over 30,000 young children of the past 20 years. Los Niños is recognized as one of the premier agencies in New York City for their excellence in serving toddlers with autism and developmental disabilities. He is the author of A Practical Guide to Early Childhood Assessment, and he is the co-founder of the American Psychology Association of Graduate Students with over 25,000 members, and he is also an international speaker. Dr. Mesh is a longtime member of the Entrepreneurs' Organization and a thought leader on creating a best company culture of learning and wow customer service. So, Scott, have you, Scott Mesh, Dr. Scott, yes. have you ever sat down with uh, Mother Teresa? What was she like? Yeah, oh, uh, well, I can't say that. Uh, wish I would have. Uh, quite a story, my God. You know, wh- what kind of a life would somebody live of complete and utter service to others? So, uh, you know, that that's that's kind of what gets me out of bed in the morning. It's what gets my wife out of bed, why we kind of put things together. She's also a psychologist. And we said, you know, we just want to help others do it very well and and help all kinds of people. Uh, people speak Spanish, uh, people who are well-to-do, uh, just mm-hmm. serve everyone. And that's what we've done for about 20 years. Uh, serving young children with special needs. Well, you you studied psychology at the University of Michigan and at St. John's University. So growing up, did you want to be a psychologist or did you want to be an entrepreneur or did you want to help people? Like what got you moving in that direction? In fourth grade, I wanted to become a millionaire and an inventor. So uh, what happened? When I was 10, uh, my mom said, you know, you're really good with babies. I'm like, what are you trying to tell me? I should like work with babies or something. I was like, are you crazy? I'm a boy. Um, so what happened over the years? I was a day camp counselor. I was a boy scout leader. Um, I, I loved helping people, but I didn't want to go in psychology. It's so mushy. You know, I, I wanted something that was more tangible. You know, you start things, you end things. Um, so what happens over the years? You know, I couldn't escape it. I'm a friggin' psychologist. You know, I think like a psychologist. I, I want to help people like a psychologist. I'm a psychologist. At the same time, be careful what you wish for. Be mm-hmm. careful about your interests because those things tend to stay with you your whole life. To tell you the truth, I'm really not big on money. That has never driven me. Mm-hmm. However, the idea of creating a great organization that was doing great things, that has always stayed with me. So I'm doing that. 
working with children. I always love children. Yeah. What am I doing? I'm working with children. So uh, the interest that people tend to have tend to stay with you over the years that happened with me. So now I'm combining really the major things that I, I love. Uh, entrepreneurship, envisioning, architecting, if you will, a great organization, doing great things for others. That's, that's, that's an amazing thing. So, so like, did that bug bite, like with the, the thought of this whole, you know, being an entrepreneur, cause you have Los Ninos, you, you do work with other organizations in terms of their cultural fit and, and helping them make sure they're that, you know, the excellence, how, how does that all come together for you? Well, well, my day job is running the company, uh, the services company, and my nighttime job is working on training. So we have a, another company, Young Child Expo and Conference. So we started this 17 years ago. It was like a you know, former you know, wannabe academic, taught at Queens College, Yeshiva University, a couple places in New York. Uh, but when the company took off, it really left little time. So I I kind of stayed with this, but I used my teaching desires uh, through this conference, which grew. Now we had a couple of conferences, West Coast, and I always wanted to put our material that people loved online. What happened with COVID? I got my wish. We had to put things online. Otherwise, we weren't going to have any anything going on. So is we that converted. another, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in the spring, we, in seven weeks, we converted the physical conference of 1500 people comes from around the world into a virtual conference. And now we're in the process of, uh, continuing to curate and house all this great material in an online learning library. So do you those think that's are going to be more successful because people can do this at home rather than have to. Absolutely. How many people can fly from Manila? You know, uh, several times we got the top 10 pediatricians from the Philippines to come to New York. Uh, now, I believe they like the conference, although I, I think maybe they wanted to visit New York also. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we get groups of people from around the, the world, but it's difficult uh, opening it up online. You know, you've got tens or hundreds of thousands of people that were not able to come physically. So, yeah, it opens up a tremendous opportunity. I'm curious, is there a tension between the helper in you and the entrepreneur in you? Right, Because one, I mean, you know, the entrepreneurial business person tends to be thinking big picture, right? And, and, and about big goals, big, you know, the BHAGs, the big, hairy, audacious goals. And generally helpers tend to be a lot more particular with regard to human need in, right in front of them. How do you, are there tensions there? Or are these things, things that have, like, are they just more integrated? Well, in for your... me, I, I just don't see a conflict. Uh, basically the, you know, you picked up on the one thing that I love doing more than anything else, helping people. So I can help people individually. And so why did I, you know, bother to create an agency that I had like no knowledge of, you know, no MBA. Um, so what I said was, well, if other people do it, I could do it. Um, and that has turned out to be true. So basically my desire was to help a lot more people as psychologists, you could help 10 people, 20 people, a hundred people. 
but you're not going to help a thousand people or tens of thousands. So through uh, the Los Niños services, you know, we're able to help literally tens of thousands of people. So I don't see it as a tension. I see it as a, a driver. And basically the entrepreneurship is just really the method of delivering the help. You know, by creating a strong company, then you're able to serve a lot more people. Was the entrepreneurs organization, were they partly responsible or helpful in, in helping you do that, that type of a, a scale? Well, absolutely. After our third year, we barely qualified for membership. You have to be like a million or more in revenue. And, uh, you know, shortly thereafter, we were losing ten to $20,000 a, a month. You know, our revenue was going up. So we're like, yeah, hire more people, more administrators. So, however, we, we weren't really minding the numbers and the uh, revenues were growing more slowly. The costs were rising more rapidly. Um, so through the entrepreneurs organization, uh, we met uh, this guy who turned out to be the founder of EO, Vern Harnish. Amazing guy, uh, tremendous teacher. And that was the beginning of our executive education and our street smart, you know, MBA, if you will. Uh, so by taking workshops and other learnings, being connected to tremendous people, uh, we were able to survive and then thrive. That's, 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 a. I always find like with some people they're, they're successful and it's always like, how did they get there? Like, did they how, how do you get there? Cause it's, you do seem to get to a point and, and whether it's an inflection point or I hit the ceiling of my own knowledge, but absolutely, what helps you break through? So, like, yeah, I, I mean, the way I, I look at it is first of all, uh, I told Adita, my wife, when we were starting the, the company in our studio apartment, I said, Adita, we are going to make a lot of mistakes. As long as we learn from those mistakes, don't repeat them too much, and we don't make a fatal mistake, then you know what? We'll probably survive. So that is true. I mean, there's so many things to learn, Donna. You know, you could have an MBA from Wharton, but, you know, it's not going to teach you every situation that you're going to encounter. So uh, you're going to have to confront them. If you have smart people around you that are advising you well, and if you're calm, thoughtful, get useful information, other opinions, diversity of opinions around you, uh, and then make good decisions, then you'll be able to break through those inflection points, continue to grow. Uh, I mean, if you think about it now, COVID, I mean, we were slammed like everybody in our industry. Uh, most people were down about 50% in revenues. You know, the problem is you still got all the costs. So we had to dramatically downside the, the cost. We were able to get it out of one of our four leases. We're in the process of getting out a second one. So, you know, you got you to gotta think fast. And there's always decisions, always challenges. And you, you cannot always learn them in school or, th or through other people. You just have to take things one at a time. Put one foot in front of the other. Uh, and be very thoughtful 
and considered in order to successfully continue growing through all kinds of ups and downs. You're married to a psychologist. You're a psychologist. You're married to a psychologist. Are your dinners just like massive therapy sessions? I mean, are you like, I mean, are, are you like, um, you know, someone says pass the bread and are you thinking what I really, what you really meant there was I remind you of your father or something like um, that? Scott, what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm hearing my father rebuking me right now. Ah! So, uh. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, it seems normal. So maybe, maybe it does look like that. Uh, we try not to go back to childhood, but uh, uh, yeah, usually um, the joke is with the kids in school, like, you know, people feel sorry for them. You know, it's bad enough to have one psychologist parent, but to have two. Um, so, but they say, uh, you know, it's an advantage because it helps them develop emotional intelligence. So, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate. We have we have very very sweet kids, and uh, you know, I think they're very very special, of course. And uh, people have commented that you know they're they're very thoughtful children. So hopefully, hopefully something good came out of it. Has that helped you as an entrepreneur? Because I think the biggest thing that I, I my my guess is a lot of businesses fail, not because somebody didn't have the Wharton degree or, or this or that. But because they didn't know themselves, like, um, you know, there's a, a book, um, uh, Failure of Nerve, which is a great book on leadership. Sure. And the author says, you know, the most important thing a leader can know is their own emotional self. I mean, do you think do you think if, if more entrepreneurs tended to their own emotional well-being and their own sense of what's going on with their feelings, they would do better? Absolutely. So emotional intelligence has been correlated with success in leaders uh you know if somebody brushes their teeth with dynamite you know they're not going to be a very effective leader so absolutely what's one of the most you know critical skills of a leader communication and you know if you're riled up if you're all pissed off and you're shooting your mouth off that's not effective communication you're not going to retain the best and the brightest to work for you so i'm glad you asked that question and that is one of the positives uh, of having that training in communication and m- communication very, very broad. How about listening? To be, to be an effective uh, listener, active listener, being interested in others, yes. And then combined with, hey, we got a job to get done. So I heard from you. Thank you so much. And now I need to think about uh, what you presented and I have to make an executive decision. So yeah, listening skills, communication skills, self-awareness, like, you know, another book, leadership and self-deception, you know, very, very important. Because otherwise, you know, why, what what do executive coaches do? They tell the executives the things that they're not aware of. You know, you're turning people off, you know, you're pissing people off. Uh, you're threatening people. You're scary. Um, so it's, you know, the answer is absolutely yes. Um, that has been a positive of being a psychologist. I would like to tell you one of the challenges of being a psychologist. So we are trained to think a lot about others. 
So when you're an executive in an organization, it's great to be a good listener. However, you got to get stuff done. So you have to remain focused, keep your eyes on the prize. What is it that we have to do here today, this week, this month? Um, And then nicely have communication, listen to others and come to conclusion, make good decisions that will move the organization ahead. Do you feel that for an executive is, is that path to get that coach or is it to, to actually go and get therapy? (laughs) You know, uh, both are good. I mean, if somebody has therapy, that's fine. I mean, I I had about 10 years myself, uh, a couple times a week, psychoanalysis during graduate school. Uh, so that was helpful. Uh, you can call, go to an executive coach. I mean, it's similar types of things. Maybe it would be way deeper with a, a therapist, but, uh, but either way, you know, like you said, Scott, uh, increasing self-awareness, big, uh, developing your communication skills, big. Uh, so both of them are, are absolutely helpful. I've had a number of coaches myself and, um, you know, I found that a good listener as coach is helpful. However, you know, I, I want a coach that's going to tell me, you know, talk turkey. You know, what's what? I, I want to call a spade a spade. If something's not right, I need to know about it, you know, because I got 300 people that are counting on me to make good decisions. So, uh, you know, I don't want to be, uh, you know, pacified or, you know, just played with. I, I want somebody to tell me straight. Uh, and, and they have, and those have been effective. I haven't liked hearing the feedback necessarily. It doesn't feel good, uh, to know that I did something that wasn't the greatest. However, it's really important in order to be successful. I just recently interviewed someone, um, who, for another podcast I do, and her name is Melissa Bernstein. I mean, she wouldn't mind me telling her story at all because she's a pretty public person. She and her husband founded Melissa and Doug's Toys. It's like a $500 right. million dollar company. And she just wrote a book mm-hmm. called Lifelines where she basically didn't get come to grips with her own struggles with existential depression and mental illness until she was 50. And, and she kind of gritted through it. She had six kids. She had, by all means, a successful marriage, a, an amazing business. And now she's throwing herself into creating a community for people to to recognize their own struggles, emotional struggles and struggles with mental illness. I mean, do, do we, I'm wondering how much, do you think we need to destigmatize this stuff? Cause I feel like if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to be confident and strong and thriving, thinking that maybe I've got emotional issues, I've got to work out seems like a chink in the armor or something. I mean, how do we get people in spaces where they can actually go deal with their own issues, which are probably more widespread than we think, right? Like lots of people are probably struggling with stuff and not, and not breaking down. I mean, this woman was, you know, until age 50, she was incredibly successful and realized she was really eating away at her own soul by not dealing with some of her own existential stuff. I mean, how do you get people to a place where they can normalize their issues? Um, I mean, in a word, I would say acceptance. You know, uh, people are who they are, including yourself. So, um, you know, what you're talking about is absolutely traditional 
And, you know, it's interesting that you talked about a female executive who was the one that was open to looking at herself because, of course, you know, women overall are much more open to self-reflection, you know, looking at issues, and also that they engage in a lot more help-seeking behavior than men and particularly traditional men. So what you're talking about is the traditional, you know, macho man, the sturdy oak, the one that doesn't want to admit any issues. And uh, while there's some value uh, to being strong, if you don't identify a weakness, sometimes that weakness could kill you. Uh, or So, yeah, I agree 100 um, percent. When there's I'm, I'm when there's thinking. issues, let's let's you know solve them. Let's address them whatever they are. And we're talking at this like executive level or the entrepreneurial level, but I I almost wonder if, if there's, this is something that flows to just the regular professional, (laughs) you know, they don't even have to be a leader to, to need to have that self, you know, reflection and, and that help from, from a person to sort of figure out what are those, those issues that are maybe plaguing them and, and stopping them from their growth or their trajectory with their career. So, so Donna, a hundred percent agree. Uh, so this is something, you know, for everybody, uh, to be self-aware, n- know what you're good at, know what you're not, uh, you know, you're not great at something. How long you want to do that? How successful are you going to be at that? So to be aware and then to accept yourself overall as a person, it doesn't mean you have to love your weaknesses. It doesn't mean you have to be proud of your weaknesses. Um, However, you know, to say, okay, well, this is who I am. And then when you say that, the next step is, hey, I'm great at X, Y, Z, but, you know, I'm not doing it that much. I ought to move in the direction of my strengths, like Marcus Buckingham, right? Let's focus on the strengths. Let's move in that direction and be aware of the negatives because the negatives can really get you. So you're a gym absolutely, and and I'm I'm our listeners can't see this, but I can see like all the Jim Collins books laid out on your shelf. I'm a Jim Collins fan as well, and I think it was he that did a study with his graduate students. They did a study on CEOs, and they found that bad CEOs tended to talk mostly about their successes. Middling CEOs talked about equally equally about their successes and their failures. Great CEOs talked mostly about their Mm -hmm. failures. And and what they learned from this was that the great CEOs were people that were thinking about what they could learn from, from their own shortcomings. But it strikes me that you said something about acceptance. It, it, It strikes me to get in that space where you can mostly focus at a cocktail party or with your colleagues on what you're learning from your shortcomings. You have to have, I guess, a tremendous sense of self. Right, and it, it strikes me that the bad CEOs that are just probably bragging about their successes probably haven't gotten to that level of acceptance you're talking about. How much is acceptance is that tied to real the capacity to thrive and succeed in entrepreneurship? Um, you like know, I, I I like the way you put it uh, because there is accepting yourself as a person with all your blemishes and pimples. Okay, so you've got the uh, you got the positives and the negatives, it doesn't mean you have to love all of the weaknesses. So 
the way you put that, I think, was a, a great way to think about addressing the issues. Because um, when you have uh, a self-acceptance of yourself as a person and you're strong, then you're able to accept like, hey, okay, so I'm okay. I'm an okay person. However, I got this issue or, or under strength or weakness. So let me talk about it. And you can actually say, I blew it, right? I mean, yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, that's the, the, the so, Whereas if you, don't, if you don't have that, right, you're never going to be able to admit, I blew it and let's learn from it. You're going to always be trying to project, I would guess, something like, if you don't know you're okay, you're, I guess you're going to spend all your time right, con- trying to convince people you're okay. Yeah, so it, it sounds like the issue with the power of acceptance is if I accept myself, I'm going to be able to look at the times yes, I blew it. exactly. But if I don't accept myself, I'm going to be at every cocktail party, at every little, my kid's little league game, at every church or synagogue function, trying to convince people that I'm okay, right? That that's going to take up so much emotional space. Whereas if I have the sense of acceptance you're talking about, I'm going to be able to take a look at uh, the times I feel like I haven't measured up because my whole ego isn't on the line, right? And that, and, and, and is that what enables a good entrepreneur to take risks? Because the, the, with that sense of acceptance, there's a freedom or, or there's a freedom in relation, it seems like, to, to fear of failure. Yeah, Scott, I really like the way you put that together. So that is the way I, I see it as well. Somebody feels strong, uh, comfortable who they are, accepting of who they are, is like able to talk about something that they didn't do good because it doesn't deflate their whole ego, their whole self. You know, if they've got some strong foundation, they're okay with themselves. And then how are they going to get better? Uh, then, then they're good. Um, you know, take uh, Olympic athletes. Tell me one Olympic athlete that doesn't have a coach. Are you kidding? So what is the Olympic athlete interested in? They want to know exactly the opportunity. Okay. All the opportunities, a swimmer whose hand was one quarter of an inch turned a little bit to the side. And if they move it one quarter inch more, they could get a thousandth of a second better and win the gold. So all those little things add up and it doesn't deflate their ego. Those are, they look at them as opportunities. So the way we talk about things also affects our acceptance of those things. So if we talk about problems, it's an immediate negative. If we talk about opportunities, which by the way, it's the same thing. So then people are more, you know, enthusiastic. They're, you know, like, oh yeah, opportunities. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna talk about opportunities. I am ready to go. But that's that's really what they are. So that makes it makes a big difference. Yeah. Accept yourself look for the opportunities to be better, to learn and grow. It's all about learning and growing. What other advice would you give to someone who's sort of, you know, up and coming? Is is there, you know, a bit of advice that you wish you had when you, you started down this path? It, you know, Donna, it, it starts with why. You know, people need to have a direction. 
So I've got three teenagers right now. Uh, they're kind of searching for their direction. One of them thought they had a direction. Now she's not so sure. So what I find is most people, I think, never figure out you know, what they want to be when they grow up. They go through life, they do stuff. You know, they pick a job, they pick a career. It's all right. You know, maybe they might like some things, you know, not like others. But to find your calling, to find something that you absolutely love to do and would do for free, as we know, you'll never work another day in your life if you find your calling like that. So I'm fortunate, you know, to have found that in what I do. So my first piece of advice would be find your calling, try to find what you're passionate about, you know, find things that you would do for nothing because you love them. And, and so that's your direction. Go in the direction of the things that you love because that will help you not only enjoy your life, but also be uh, more successful. It, it also reminds me of a quote that you had told me uh, a little while ago. You said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I suppose in finding your why, that's what you're finding what you care about. And if you do care about it, people suddenly start to pay more attention. They care because you care. Uh, absolutely. So, you know, find what you care about. And then the thing that's like related to that quote is, who you care about. So if you care about others, then they will care about what you know. So uh, caring about people is, is important. There's a great Nietzsche quote that I was just reminded of as you were talking. Nietzsche says that he who has a why to live can bear almost any how. Absolutely. And that sounds, yeah, that sounds like what you're getting at, right? Once you get the why question, the how stuff will fall in place, right? Well, I'm glad you brought it up because life has not been easy in the last 20 years. Uh, When people look from outside, you know, they think we're rich, successful, everything. You know, I wish, I wish it were true. Uh, Social services is not the area to go in to make a lot of money. Uh, You know, what I tell people is you want to make a lot of money, open a pizza shop. Uh, but uh, not social services. It's great for the heart, not necessarily for the wallet. Uh, but we've had some really challenging times. Uh, you know, 2007, eight, uh, the recession, you know, COVID now, uh, you know, just a, a lot of challenges, 9-11. So we lived through a, a lot of things. Um, and how did we get through it? Absolutely keeping our eyes on the prize having something that was worthwhile to us to uh, like, you know, a goal of helping a lot of people and knowing that if we didn't make it as a company, we wouldn't be helping any kids and we wouldn't be employing any people. So uh, having something to, to live for and move on. Yeah. There was the, there was the famous story uh, from Jim Collins uh, about Admiral Stockdale in Vietnam. And uh, Jim Collins asked him, you know, how did you make it through? And relating to your Nietzsche quote, um, he said, well, there were people that said, we're going to be out by Christmas. Christmas would come and go. 
And then he said, well, we're going to be out by Easter. And Easter would come and go, and they died of a broken heart. So, so realistic expectations, you know, an ultimate faith in that you will survive, you know, dealing with the dual reality of the present, uh, brutal truth, whatever that is to you. And we, we've had very, very difficult times, you know, couldn't make payroll, uh, you know, really, really, really tough times. So uh, have faith in the end and that by putting one foot in front of the other that you, you will get there to keep going. And you have, you have, you're still here and you're helping people and still you're here. doing so much good. Thank you that, so much for, for joining us today. Oh, uh, thank you so much, Don and Scott, for having me. I, it was really a pleasure chatting with you both. It, the pleasure was all ours. Thanks for listening to Dream Big with Big Dreamers. If you like the show, please do us a favor. Go into iTunes and write a review and give us a rating or share it with a friend via social media or email if you think they'd benefit from these conversations. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time. Until then, keep dreaming big.